0: I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Today, Emily Jackson talks to National Post reporter Brian Fitzpatrick about how a two-year RCMP investigation led all the way to Mexican drug lord El Chapo. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get the best shows, like this one. Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review, and please tell your friends about us. So, Brian, good morning. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Emily. Cheers.
0: So this is the story about how an undercover RCMP operation uncovered links between Canadian drug smugglers and the Sinaloa Cartel, one of the most powerful drug organizations in the world. It's kind of a crazy tale. I'm wondering if you can introduce us first to what was this RCMP operation and how did it get
1: started? Crazy being, I suppose, the correct term. Basically, it was called Operation Harrington. It started in and around May of 2013 when RCMP in Nova Scotia, they started to kind of zero in on this guy, Gary Meister, who they suspected was running drugs between, uh, say, Latin America and and Canada. And to kind of infiltrate uh, Meister's circle, uh, an agent who's only ever been known as UCO Joe, he...
0: That's undercover operator Joe. Yeah,
1: exactly. So okay. To gain Meister's trust, you know, he pretended that he ran a sail brokerage um, and he had a research vessel and some fishing boats, and that he collected drugs uh, at sea in the in the Caribbean and could kind of transfer them further north. Then, for kind of safe harbor into Newfoundland. But eventually, what happened was that he gained the trust of Meister and a few others to such a degree that they ended up giving him his own encrypted BlackBerry device, and they were texting him about you know, this guy and that guy in certain deals. And 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 eventually, by way of uh, this kind of string of connections, he came across a Toronto real estate broker uh, called Stephen Tello. Tello then became the main uh, target in what became known as Operation Harrington. Who was Stephen Tello? Tello was raised in, in Quebec. He attended Concordia University. Uh, by the time he first came across the RCMP's radar, he was living and working in Toronto with Remax. He was living in the upper beaches.
0: So pretty bougie neighborhood for all intents and purposes. He seemed like a good, upstanding citizen, but there was a lot more
1: going on. He he was doing very well to to any observers on the outside. You know, he he just seemed to be a a regular kind of well-to-do guy. Um, He was doing well for himself. But yeah, he was definitely dealing with some some underworld figures that nobody had a clue about in his day-to-day circle. But yeah, he got himself into a, a fair bit of trouble. Tello ended up messaging Joe on the device that Joe had been given, but Tello thought that he was messaging Meister. So when Joe said, oh, I'm not Meister, I'm the transport guy, Tello just got straight down to to talking about his own importation schemes. And eventually that led to Joe saying, well, why don't we meet up at uh, the Real Sports bar down by the Scotiabank Arena in Toronto? And they started discussing their deals. Tello indicated, you know, where he sourced his his own uh, cocaine was from Colombia and Venezuela. And Joe kind of outlined the terms that he would need to, to collect cocaine. Cocaine at sea for Tello, which was like a quarter of all the drugs moved. He would, he would take that and also kind of talking about overland transport fees that ran into the millions. But, but Tello seemed keen. Tello then ended up introducing Joe to other characters and it kind of snowballed from there. The main deal of, of Operation Harrington that Tello and others ended up kind of conspiring with Joe to complete was a, for a few thousand kilos of cocaine to be sourced in Guyana for an Antigua pickup but the whole thing kind of unraveled when when the guyana gang became suspicious about joe they were kind of more suspicious of him than the canadians were as it turned out um, and the whole thing kind of went went wallop when when they kind of said look we're not going to go through with this unless you guys the canadians provide more money up front and they eventually pulled out
0: so the guyana guys were suspicious of joe but the canadians for seemingly were really on board with him. I mean, 1,000, 2,000 kilos of cocaine, that's a lot of cocaine. How much money are we talking about here?
1: The money to be made in theory was was kind of astronomical. Like it, they had an expert at Tello's trial in, in Toronto uh, a few years later after the Operation Harrington takedowns had occurred, and the expert was talking about how a kilo of cocaine could be sourced in Colombia for like 2,200 uh, U.S., by the time that gets to Central America, even it's it's jumped up by a fair few thousand. But by the time it gets to the US, you're talking forty five thousand to fifty thousand. But then by the time it gets to Canada, still it gets more expensive by another factor of, of ten thousand odd US. So the further north you can take it, it just jumps in price like uh, to a huge degree. So if you had managed to source a thousand kilos, I think before expenses and and after kind of it was divided, it's it's various ways. But the base figure would be about. Forty-two odd million.
0: Wow. Okay. So this was this was big money, and interesting to know that Canada's cocaine market is so much more lucrative than it would be in the South, um, even in the United States. Interesting to think how that additional layer of transportation just really does add to the
1: price. Yeah, and and I suppose like like any other businessman, obviously he was just operating on on a biblical scale. But El Chapo Guzman, like you know, he was he was business savvy like anyone else he realized that the further north he could get it the more money there was to be made so andrew hogan was the DEA agent uh, working uh, to take down el chapo around 2013 2014 and in in his own book you know he 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 just kind of outlined that the economics were simple Chapa Chapo had cells of, of people working for him in Canada. The DEA at that time was they were all over his phones, um, tracking their use to you know to see what they were talking about. And the figures were just crazy. They were talking about you know Toronto, Montreal, Winnipeg. You know hundreds of hundreds of thousands being sent back uh, south, you know per week, just to kind of repeat the buying cycle. They were sourcing the cocaine down on the Colombia Ecuador border. And, and moving it north from there. But as soon as the, the the drugs reached Canada, it was just, okay, get the cash back down south, repeat the buying cycle, and, and get more going north, you know?
0: I mean, a good business, unless, of course, you get caught. How did Tello's ties to El Chapo, to that Sinaloa drug cartel, how did that emerge through this story?
1: Basically, as Operation Harrington was ongoing, Tello had been kind of singled out by the Americans already as a key Canadian contact for the Sinaloa cartel now it's not been kind of divulged exactly how closely the DEA were working with RCMP but there obviously was uh, a fair bit of communication because all the while that Dello had been a suspect in, in Operation Harrington, he'd actually been, uh, separately indicted in, in the U.S. in a 2014 indictment that, uh, it was a Southern district in New York and charges were laid against him, against El Chapo's right-hand man as a Colombian called Alex Sifuentes Villa and against, uh, another Toronto resident called Mikhailo Koretsky, who was known as Russian Mike. But all, all the while that, that, Operation Harrington was going on, Tello and Koretsky and El Chapo and Alex Ifuentes-Villa had been separately indicted in the US. This was never revealed at uh, Tello's trial in Toronto, but it it wasn't even unsealed until July 2015, but it never came up. Like when Operation Harrington went down, they mentioned that, uh, the RCMP mentioned that it had ties to Colombian and Mexican cartels, but it was never really delved into in much detail.
0: How did this all come crashing down on the Canadian operations? Uh, You know, you've got Undercover Officer Joe in there saying he's going to be the guy shipping a lot of this product from Antigua to the East Coast. What went wrong? Where did these guys mess up?
1: Well, basically the main error they made was at the very start when they ended up giving him his own blackberry device uh, so they were sending him thousands of messages and he was getting them from not just from Tello from Meister from anybody else he, he he was they all used separate usernames so Tello was using i think you know XMS480 one of Joe's own one was called damage control so they all had their own kind of nicknames but RCMP couldn't download the messages because uh, of the encryption, so they photographed every message and then they categorized them basically and used the evidence later in, in trial. In terms of how it actually came crashing down, uh, by around March 2015, Sotelo had been talking to UCO Joe at this stage for about 145 days odd, and it seemed like he started to get panicky. He he was thinking that something might be up, so they were due to meet at a steakhouse in uh, in Toronto at that stage. Uh, Joe Tello and another person from Ottawa called Matthew Fleming, who was a, an Ottawa restaurateur by day, um, who was also involved in, in, in these importation schemes. Eventually, Tello smelled a rat, and, and he didn't show up for that last meeting. But kind of remarkably enough, even though he he, he ghosted them, the rest of the gang continued to plot importation deals with with UCO Joe. The first being a separate deal to move cocaine from Guyana North with Fleming and, and a, a guy from Montreal called uh, Michael Dibbon. And then another deal uh, with Gary Meister, uh, the original contact from Operation Harrington, a deal for, I think it was 1,200 kilos of cocaine taken out of Colombia. So while all that was 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 kind of in the works, um, it looks like the RCMP decided that, okay, now is the time to kind of move draw things to, to a close because... It, it looks like their hand was forced a small bit. So the only cocaine that actually was seized was 212 kilos that was seized off the coast of Antigua on a boat called the Misty B. was seized by the French Navy. That was the only actual seizure made throughout the whole of Operation Harrington. The rest of them were like so-called dry conspiracies where no drugs actually changed hands. But the Misty B seizure was linked back to the Operation Harrington suspects, Fleming and Dibbon in particular. But But that was the only drugs that actually changed hands when it did eventually all go down, they launched coordinated raids April 20th, 2015. It was 15 suspects initially. Not all of them were arrested kind of off the bat. But eventually, yeah, they did try and, and run the, the, all 15, 16 of them through the court system. And it was kind of fascinating to see, you know, the level to which some of them were kind of severely punished and others were, you know, got substantially less prison time and, and, and some of them couldn't be prosecuted at all. I suppose that's the way these things go. They, they throw a, a wide net, but, you know, not everybody is going to be as harshly punished as, as certain individuals, just the way these things go.
0: Based on your reporting, it seems like jail time is almost a lighter punishment than some of the really dark stuff that was happening behind the scenes. Ultimately, you—if if there is a rat involved and you're smuggling drugs with one of the most powerful drug cartels in the world, typically violence is involved and Murder is involved, and it seems like Tello escaped a target on his head.
1: A lot of this didn't come out uh, at all until El Chapo's trial, which began in in November uh, 2018. So a lot of the the Harrington cases by that stage been been wrapped up. We ran a piece about Tello actually being indicted um, separately with El Chapo just as the El Chapo trial was starting. But then kind of within days, things really got interesting because Alex Ifuentes Villa, who was El Chapo's right hand man, he took the stand in Brooklyn and kind of outlined this, the real scale of the Sinaloa cartel's operation in in Canada. And he said that he had been the main contact person uh, for all of the Canadian operations. Uh, once the drugs went north of New York, basically El Chapo had put him in control. Um His brother, Jorge Milton, was the one, as I said, who was sourcing the cocaine for the Sinaloa cartel in Colombia, sending it north. And then he, uh, Alex, went to live in the mountains of Mexico with El Chapo, basically as collateral in case anything went wrong with the cocaine deals further south, so not the ideal situation to find yourself in. But anyway, uh, he 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 just kind of came out and said it that Tello had actually been his main uh, worker in in all of Canada. Now, he didn't exactly elaborate on what worker meant, but he said that Tello had even visited Culiacan um, in Sinaloa in Mexico to meet with the cartel, and things were going really well. They were they were making, with his words, he said, dozens of millions uh, from Canada alone but that eventually by about 2013. So this had been going on for, he said he started working with El Chapo from 2007. Tello's indictment indicates a relationship with the Sinaloa cartel since about 2008. So Alex said that wow. by, about, by about 2013, he said El Chapo was getting a, a bit paranoid, saying that he had been told by other workers for the cartel in Canada that Tello was, was stealing the proceeds from the drug sales, was the direct quote from, from Alex in court. So to get rid of his problem he basically said to Alex well look he this guy needs to get uh, done in and and we should convince him to come back down to Mexico and and Alex was tasked with kind of doing the dirty deed but tello you know much as he had he had ghosted uh, on the operation harrington detectives in Canada he kind of seemed to smell a rat and he wouldn't go back down to sinaloa to meet with the with the cartel again and when he wouldn't go down, El Chapo said, well, okay, let's try and get the Hells Angels to kill him in Canada. Um, luckily for Tello, Alex his villa was actually captured in Mexico uh, not long after that. And El Chapo was captured in 2014. Now, El Chapo re-escaped from prison and then was finally captured for the last time in January 2016. So Tello lived through it all and probably didn't even know kind of the level of danger he was he was in, but... If you look through the court documents from El Chapo's trial, he's actually got a, a laundry list of people that he was accused of conspiring to kill. And Tello's name is listed among them. So it's kind of bizarre. You've got this Toronto real estate agent listed alongside, you know, Ramon Arellano Felix, who'd be like one of the major cartel operatives uh, from that time in Mexico. Uh, you know, a kind of an underworld who's who and, and stuck in between them is, is Tello's name. It's, it's bizarre.
0: Wow. Incredible to see the Toronto guy, you know, making the headlines, not for the reasons he probably wanted to make the headlines, but pretty remarkable that he escaped this with his life, especially since there were a few other Canadians that were killed during this entire shakeout with Operation Harrington.
1: Yeah. And and that was, again, something that you you could kind of, you could draw a line backwards uh, from the El Chapo trial. You could kind of sense that there was there was something strange going on. But if you've followed the the court documents that are available um, in Toronto and elsewhere from the Operation Harrington cases, it did turn out that a number of the suspects that were involved in Harrington were also themselves uh, being killed as 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 it went on. There were a few in particular. Jahanbash Mishgadi, he was a, an Albertan gang associate who was one of the initial targets of Harrington. And he was killed in August 2014, right around the same time that... UCO Joe had kind of began to gain his trust. He was a person who had been put in contact via Gary Meister's circle. So he was killed in you know a, a daylight shooting, August 2014. Andy Kawang Hoang, he was a, a Tello associate and he had apparently been uh, the one who was going to finance Tello for the deals that Tello was plotting with Joe. So Tello and And his contacts had been saying they were going to throw a few million each at at these deals. Coang was supposed to be one of the main money men for Tello. Then he got killed, broad daylight again, January 29th, 2015 in Calgary. And, you know, none of these murders were ever solved. And then right as the El Chapo trial had begun, there was a a third contact from Operation Harrington, Filippo Scalaros. He had just finished serving as Harrington sentence the year before. And he was in uh, Cafe Cubano in Little Italy, in Montreal. November 2018, assassins kind of just burst in, uh, shot him a few times in the upper body, car waiting in a laneway, sped off, and none of those three murders have ever been solved. Chatted with murder scene investigators from uh, the Mishkadi killer, and he was saying, you know, it only takes one phone call, but nobody's ever, ever made that phone call, so they have no real leads, it seems. At the same time, around 2018, 2019, the Canadian Intelligence Service, they had Released a report that said that they were very concerned that, in their words, in Verticom, is an unusual number of Canadian cocaine traffickers uh, linked to Mexican cartels were being killed, both in Mexico and in Canada. Uh, now, it's not entirely clear if that was the case in Operation Harrington, but the service themselves had speculated that it could be a case of the cartels trying to kind of cut out the the middle people. Uh, in Canada and and work things solely on their own, which wouldn't be entirely unprecedented. They have done similar things, especially in the southwestern part of Colombia, just to give one example, they have kind of done such things where they say, okay, like, why are, we, why are we relying on these other people? We can just cut them out of the equation and, you know, maximize the money for ourselves.
0: Maximizing the profits, probably a very big goal of the cocaine smugglers indeed, and just goes to show how dangerous this field is for Canadians that are importing these products and dancing with some of the most dangerous people in the world. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. This is a really fascinating story. really appreciate your time.
1: No bother. Thanks a lot.
0: is produced by Carson Jarama. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to Emily Jackson and Brian Fitzpatrick. More from Brian at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.